voice of Doris Day. Hey everybody, it is Saturday afternoon, I'm Wallace Hughes. Saturday, December 18th, 2005, 4.32 here on the West Coast, and we're on early. Uh, Bill and Mike had a request to play the Ronald Coleman Christmas Carol on Favorite Story, and Mike didn't have that handy, so I offered to come on early and play that. We're going to play that for Kevin out in San Jose, California. And then uh, for my my big sister, my good buddy, Kim Cupcake Bragg, we'll play Christmas Sing with Bing, the second show of that series, from 1956. Uh, Dwayne Killstrip, by the way, has two Christmas shows on his Christmas Eve special tonight. Uh, Jack Benny from 1947 and Bing Crosby. Thus, we will skip, because uh, that's 55 minutes long, we will go ahead and skip Tumbleweed Theater. Uh, Red Steagle will be next. Donna Meeks, she'll be the interview uh, with Dick Burrow and Ed Corcoran. And then I'll be back on with Larry Gassman, uh, pre-recorded. And we'll talk about Christmas and the Christmas marathon they used to do and the Jack Benny show. Uh, you'll hear two Jack Benny broadcasts. The Christmas show that was never heard from December 22nd, 1948. 
And then the show the next day that we heard only in CBS from December 23, 1948, promoting the uh, move over to CBS from NBC. Then for my friend Patricia down in Florida, we'll play a third Miguel Molly from 52. A great girl's weave from 52. Uh, and uh, we'll see what else. We'll got some other stuff, some rare material later tonight too. Anyway, let me say a prayer and we'll get into uh favorite story starring Ronald Coleman. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this wonderful holiday season. Bless Bill and Kim as they guide us this station through this wonderful season. And all the listeners who love the station, support the station, and bless the station. Uh, help our friends who are planning to have surgery like Chris from Dallas on Monday and others, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. With that, here is favorite story, folks. Hope you enjoy. This is Ronald Coleman inviting you to radio's most dramatic half hour, Favorite Story. This week's favorite story is the choice of no one person, but of everyone in the English-speaking world. It embodies the spirit and the beauty of Christmas more than any other writing in our language. Our sponsor sends it to you as a special Christmas gift. A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Starring in the role of Ebenezer Scrooge is your favorite story host, Ronald Coleman. Mr. Coleman is supported by an all-star cast in the special production of Dickens' Christmas Carol, the world's favorite Christmas story. just heard the world's favorite Christmas story, A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, starring Ronald Coleman. This has been a holiday greeting from our sponsor and all your good friends here on the Favorite Story program. The most suitable gift we could think of for your Christmas fireside. The voices you have heard were all your old friends, each one a star of many a favorite story in the past year. You'll remember them. John Beale, Eurene Tuttle... Jimmy Lydon, Joe Kearns, Arthur Q. Bryan, Henry Blair, Eric Snowden, Jerry Farber, Cyrus Kendall, and Earl Lee. Robert Mitchell directed the vocal effects, and Claude Sweeten conducted the orchestra. All of us, including our directors, Jerry Lawrence and Bob Lee, wish you the merriest of Merry Christmases on behalf of our sponsor. And we hope you will hear us all on many pleasant half hours of favorite story in the new year to come.
We'll continue with more of Ronald Coleman from the Golden Age of Radio after we remind you that this is the... And there you go. Well, I hope you enjoy that. Chris McCarroll, they hit the special earlier version of the Saturday show here on Saturday, December 18th, year 2005. I'm Ron Hughes, and we're on early because we just played the Chris McCarroll with Ronald Coleman. Well... Getting time here, we're going to feature another show. It is 3 after 5 here on the West Coast. And for my big sister, the lovable Kim Bragg, uh, who loves Bing Crosby, we're going to play Christmas Sing with Bing. This was on from 1955 to 62, and we've so far been able to find 7 of the 8 broadcasts. So we're going to play the one... From 1956. This is the Armed Forces version. I don't have the CBS version. A few weeks ago we played the Decca record that covered 1955. So we're going to move up one year to 1956. And Kim and Bill, Merry Merry Christmas. And I know Bill will probably be getting up here in a few minutes. Get ready to go to work I bet. So with that everybody, here we go. Christmas Sing with Bing. From Christmas Eve, 1956. This is the happiest night of the year. It's Christmas Eve, friends. Time for a Christmas Sing with Bing. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. While the merry bells keep ringing. May your every wish come true. Yes, friends, this is your second annual Christmas Sing with Bing. And this is Ken Carpenter inviting you to join your hearts and voices in the traditional spirit and songs of Christmas. And come along with Bing as we travel around the world for Christmas visits to France and England, Italy, the Netherlands and Canada, and all across the USA. We'll go to Korea to hear carols by our own GIs stationed there. We'll visit a picket ship of the Continental Air Defense System off the Pacific Coast. And don't be surprised if we stop in your town. And now, let's sing with Bing. Happy Holidays to you. Here we come a-caroling among the leaves so green. Here we come a-wandering so fair to be seen. Greetings, greetings, and Merry Christmas, fellow singers. Hope you're all set now for the Christmas chirp. I do hope you're in good voice and you're all ready to sing out on this second annual Christmas Eve carol fest. And incidentally, uh, you might like to know that uh, last year's sing is now available on Decca Records. You know, we're going to call on a lot of wonderful choirs and some of our good friends from all over the free world tonight. We're going to hear from Maurice Chevalier. Monsieur Paris himself, he'll be heard from Paris, France. And from Mary England, Miss Sarah Churchill. Here in Hollywood, we're, we're going to tiptoe with Rosemary Clooney into the nursery. As she sings a lullaby for her little ones. And way out in the mid-Pacific, a song...
Merry Christmas, everybody, and I hope you enjoyed the show so far. We've been on since 4.30 West Coast time. Actually, it's been all new programming since 7 o'clock West Coast time. Anyway, I'm talking to my big sister, Cupcake Bragg herself, and we're going to get into the interview that Larry Gaspin and I did, talking about Christmas, and introduce the uh, Gap Mini Show, the Christmas show that was never heard on the air. So, we'll explain why. Here we go. Hi everybody, I'm Wong Hughes, and here's a gentleman back for his monthly visit, Larry Gassman. Merry Christmas. Thank you, Walter. Merry Christmas to you too. You bet. Well, I, I thought we would talk about a couple of things. Um, here in the LA area, we were always blessed, seemed like for many years, uh, that you and John uh, host a Christmas Eve marathon over the years. Do you recall how in the world that came about? you want the real reason? Or the yeah, I want the real reason. Well, the reason we stated on the air was that, that a lot of people we thought might enjoy having a chance to hear shows for 12 hours at a time. The real reason we started this was um, the station was actually looking for people to, to perform in uh, in terms of a marathon for many, many hours so that everybody else could take uh, the Christmas Eve off. <laughs> and so, I mean, it's pure and simple, they needed people to fill some slots. Wow. Yeah, and uh, and I think that's how it got started. I remember the first one you did back in '84, and then I think you came back a few years later, and that's when you started your long streak. Yeah, yeah, they they just needed people to take some time off, and so they said, "Would you guys be willing to do, you know, whatever?" I think it was six hours for a while, and eventually it moved into twelve. Right. Uh, and it got to the point though we rarely did them live. I think we may have done one live or two live. Because after, after about midnight or one o'clock, it got to the point where we, you know, we saw ourselves coming and going, and so uh, we knew that we weren't going to be as good, uh, whatever that means, uh, later. So we taped the last six hours, generally. Right. I remember a few occasions where you did stuff live, like you would call different uh, radio personalities. I remember one year you called John Dunning live. Yeah. And then I remember one Christmas that you had uh, different disc jockeys around the country sending shows, and you just assembled those. Right. We we wanted to be able to spend Christmas Day with our with our family, and that we knew there would be no way we could even co- coherently do it if we spent all that time uh, on the. I don't know that we ever actually did a Christmas one live. I know we did at least one July Fourth marathon live because remember we did them a couple times a year. We did July Fourth and we did Christmas. But the, the July 4th ones were generally six hours. Uh, I think one turned into eight, but, I mean, they were generally about six. But the Christmas uh, marathons were oftentimes 12 hours. Well, in the one way, did preparing for those, did you sort of look for a special Christmas show throughout the year? That way you sort of set them aside. How in the world did you get, because you know, it seemed like every year you kept, introducing new shows. Oh, you give us too much credit. <laughs> I, I, I would guess a month or so before we, we would look at each other and say, well, what do you want to do this year? And then the answer came back, I don't know. <laughs> and so uh, usually it was a month and a half, two months. We, 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 really what we did is we began looking through the Christmas shows. We weren't smart enough to actually start writing down the shows we, would have, we had acquired in the last year that might have worked from a Christmas perspective. You know, we just said, what was that Christmas show we got of uh, whenever? A few mm-hmm. months ago? 
and that's how we did it. We should have actually been keeping track, but uh, that you know, you give us too much credit. Uh, so we would we we just come up with stuff that we got in the last year, and we said, I wonder if anybody's heard this. Right. And we 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 plugged it in because in many cases they hadn't. Well, one thing you always got there, and we'll play a sample of that here in a little while. You always seem to make sure you add in a different Jack Benny that we normally didn't hear the year before. That's true. That, I mean, that was a show, luckily, where just about all the shows exist. Not all, but, but probably 95% of them exist, maybe 90, if you consider the shows from the early 30s, and some of those don't. But we, we would always find a show, a Christmas show, yeah, and, and in Benny's case, since he was on the air such a long time, it was easy to do. One thing I'm going to replay for the audience on my uh, Sunday show this Sunday um, after Michael Beals, um, this will be the 8th of the 11th, I'm pulling out the uh, special that Sam Frank did for you, the Ronald Coleman special. Oh, yeah. And for the audience, uh, I guess Sam was quite a bug on Ronald Coleman. Sam was the character. Oh. Yeah, Sam was a little different. Sam had his eccentricity. Sam was... Uh, not necessarily the kind of person you want to bring home to mom because I mean, Sam wasn't a people person, and he was the first person to admit that. But Sam, Sam was a genius in a lot of respects, uh, and had some incredible researching facilities at his disposal. Uh, he's very, very, very sharp, and uh, he passed away now many, many years ago. But but he did do he, his his big. Uh, radio icon was Ronald Coleman. Radio, TV, films, anything that was Ronald Coleman, Sam Frank knew about. And uh, so he asked, actually he didn't even ask us, he sort of just strong-armed us <laughs> into doing, I mean he would call every week. You know, I mean he was more prepared than we were. He called three months ahead. You know, you did say a few years ago that I could do my, my Ronald Coleman thing on your Christmas marathon have you, uh, have you got some time set aside? Well, no, Sam, not not quite yet. Okay, so, you know, that undaunted, he'd call us a week later. <laughs> I mean, you know, he was not going to take no for an answer. So finally we said, all right, all right, fine, let's do it. You know, and, and, and he was very good, and he had a, a lot of research at his disposal and had a lot of facts, and it turned out to be pretty good. One thing I'm hoping to eventually find complete, now hopefully maybe you guys had a, maybe... Maybe Sam got it through radio yesterday, so Dan Golden ever applied the Ronald Coleman Handle Messiah broadcast. And you guys played part of it uh, that night on the Christmas Eve, but I have a hunch it wasn't the full, complete broadcast. I don't remember anymore. Yeah. And, that, that, and folks, this is back in 1989 we're talking about. It's the date I have for this. So you can understand why uh, Larry brought that out of his mind. Yeah, because I can't remember now. I thought we had the complete one, but maybe not. Yeah. I'd I, have to go back and look and see. True. And also, another thing I will play during the Christmas Eve is the, uh, oh, and I don't know where in the world you got this. If it, this was the, uh, and I don't know how we can call it. It was the Jack Benny Christmas show done in 1948. They reprieved the 1944 script. But it seemed like a dress rehearsal. It wasn't heard on either CBS or NBC. And this was like a few days before the move over. It seemed like it would be a dress run that they did at CBS while still Jack had one more broadcast to do at NBC. And that's exactly what it was. It was a dress, it was a closed circuit 
show that they played for people, but it was also kind of an audition for CBS. And, and, and that's why you hear, you know, all the CBS mentions. And, uh, and, and they just grabbed a show from 1944. They got a studio audience in there and, because they wanted to do a run-through to, to see exactly what they needed to do to get ready. Because obviously by that time, Jack knew he was going to CBS. Uh, it was just a, it was a run-through. It was never broadcast. But it does survive. Yeah. And so I think we'll probably wind up pointing that here in a, in a bit. Any other thoughts about the uh, Christmas marathons or just digging out? What are some favorite Christmas shows besides Jack Benny that you guys sort of uh, like to pull out once in a while? You would oh, uh, we used to have a lot of fun. There were a couple of things that come to mind. We used to have a lot of fun. A friend of ours who helped us do the Jack Benny log uh, that we we did and then we sold uh, was Gary Dunn. And Gary was... Um, uh, Gary was an ex-policeman uh, and also a radio buff and a big Jack Benny fan. And he would come down from Northern California, where he, he moved to after living down here for many years, here meaning Southern California. Uh, and he would come down, and, and Gary was a big radio buff, but he was also a big radio buff from the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and 80s. And, and he collected jingles, and he collected commercials, and he collected commercials that weren't really radio commercials. They were spoofs of commercials. And so did we. And so we decided that, just for fun, uh, we would sprinkle these commercials in and around radio shows. So maybe we'd play a Jack Benny show or a Yours Truly Johnny Dollar, and then we would play one of these spoof commercials. Uh, we had to be careful because some of those you can't play on the air. But we did play the ones that we thought wouldn't offend anybody. And in a couple of cases, they may have. Uh, so that was always a fun thing. Because Gary would say, okay, you guys do the shows. I'll come down and engineer for you, but you won't know what I'm bringing. Except in some cases where we said, okay, <laughs> we, do, we do want to play these show, these commercials. So that was always a lot of fun. Sure. Um, I do remember in the early days when, when Gary wasn't, well, this one, uh, I don't even know who was engineering now. And it was late, 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 probably 12 o'clock. And, and John made the mistake of saying, I'm hungry. Wow, come on, somebody, somebody, uh, we want somebody to drop by the station with some food, not thinking that, of course, anybody would do that. Well, somebody did. Somebody from Santa Monica drove way out of their way to Pasadena, got off the freeway at midnight, and brought us food. And I can't even remember what it was now. Wow. Hamburgers or something like that. So we ate at 12.31 o'clock. <laughs> and, and I, you know, we said, we, we, John felt bad. He said, God, if I'd known somebody was really going to do that, I wouldn't have said anything, but I was just having some fun. Sure. So, occasionally, you always guys used to have pizzas, if I recall, on the air. You always said, we're going to go have our pizza break or whatever. Oh, we did, yeah. We, yeah. we did. Um, we ordered, you'd order pizza maybe an hour into the show, because the show would start at 6. By 7, we were hungry, so we ate pizza. And in a couple of cases, we even ate it on the air. Uh, not that necessarily we would admit to that nowadays, because, of course, you're not supposed to eat in any kind of studio. Sure. But we did. I know uh, Dan Hayfleet, so co-hosted a lot of those. Dan now has a show here on Yesterday USA. Uh, yeah, Dan engineered for us, and also when he was actually on the air, we split the show. And um, so he, he would bring some shows along. So, you know, and then in some cases we brought more than we had planned. And we decided we'd let the listeners pick the shows they wanted to hear as well. We did all kinds of things. Kenny Greenwald would drop in. Ken would drop in with a lot of voices yeah. like that. And all that stuff was 
improvisational. We had no clue what we were going to say. We knew what the shows would be, but we had no idea what was going to happen on either end of the show. So when you hear us laughing, it's not made up, it's not phony, it's, it's just reacting to the moment. Oh. You, have a, you have a particular favorite Jack Benny Christmas show? Um, maybe it's not the one we're going to play from 1948, this show, dress rehearsal one. But, I mean, you know, from the shoelaces to the gopher trap to, you know, I mean, the whole routine. I mean, they're all pretty much the same. They were formula. They were in formula. They were mm-hmm. basic formula, but they were always funny. Uh, I don't know. I like the shoelaces a lot. I thought it was, you know, I enjoyed very much hearing Frank Nelson go crazy. It was a lot of fun. Shoelaces probably might be my favorite. Sure. Uh, or the gopher trap. It's funny that those are two later ones, too. Probably the Gopher Trap was so popular because I think for collectors, it was one of the early ones we got our hands on, too. Right. And the shoelaces, interestingly enough, I think those were done on a couple of occasions, and then they brought them back later on. And it's always fun to go back and listen to a couple of shows with the same basic theme, just to hear the changes. And there were quite a few changes from the early shows of the mid to late 30s to those of the 50s. Speaking of the... uh Christmas show, we're talking about some of the personality, because you met quite a few of those. Any thoughts about Frank Nelson? Frank Nelson had, he was a nice man. Uh, I mean, politically, you might not always agree with him, but he was a nice man. And he had unbelievably good recall. He could remember things that happened 60, 70 years ago, like it was, uh, like it had just happened, and he had so much, such good recall that he could tell you in-depth stories of the early 30s and late 30s. He's a very nice, nice man. And very friendly. Always went out of his way to come up and say hello. How about Mel Blank? Mel I didn't know as well. I talked to him on the phone several times and met him on several occasions. In fact, we interviewed him uh, on a couple of occasions. Uh, uh, Mel was very nice to us. We, um, we set up an interview to go to his house to interview him and something happened when we got there he wasn't there um, I can't remember whether it was a conflict or, or something had happened and he felt so badly about it that uh, we made another date and he had a limo come pick us up Wow! his house and we lived in Whittier which for those of you who don't live in Southern California is a good um uh, probably 30, 40 miles or so from his house, which was then in Beverly Hills. And then he had the limo drive us back. Wow. Yeah. That's a touch of class. Yeah, very, very much so. How about Elliot Lewis? Uh, Elliot was, Elliot I did get to know very well. Uh, in fact, we exchanged Christmas cards for years with both Elliot and his then wife, Mary Jane Croft. And uh, oftentimes he would just call out of the blue. You know, he was having trouble remembering something, or um, he was doing something that somebody had asked him to do and he needed something. I mean, he would just call. Um, he was a very nice man, very down-to-earth man, but by the same token, he was very uh, he was very complex. Uh, he had so many talents uh, as a writer, as a director, as an actor. He did all of them very well. Um, uh, and he was fun to talk to. He was just, uh, he was a very nice, nice man. How about Phil Harris? Now, Phil Harris I didn't know nearly as well. I met him uh, 
No, did I meet him? I can't remember. I know you talked to him on the phone a few times. Several times. Did not meet him. We had planned to do an interview, and it was about that time that he got sick and then eventually passed away. I didn't know him nearly as well. Did you ever meet Dennis Day? I know you tried to set up the interview right at the tail end of his life. Yeah, I met him. I know I met him on a couple of occasions. Talked to him on the phone, and we did try to set up an interview, and, and, and he uh, passed away before we could actually do that. But I did meet him on a couple of occasions. And then, of course, uh, somebody who's still with us, George Bowser. Yeah, George is still with us. Um, For the audience, he was one of the main four writers. Right, yeah. I met George uh, on many occasions. In fact, we used to talk a lot. And uh, George went out of his way to be, you know, very, very nice to us. Well, good. Any other thoughts, Roy, before we go ahead and uh, play this Christmas show from uh, December 22nd, 1948? Uh, no, it's just that, you know, Jack Benny was one of my favorite radio personalities, whether it be radio or TV or film. Uh, and, uh, and I'm glad that you're keeping his memory alive. Thanks to you, Roy. Unfortunately, many times people will come up and say, Jack who? And they're not kidding. That's true. Because remember, he died in 74, and that's been 31 Years ago, isn't that unbelievable? That is something else, and I'm glad they're having this campaign to get the stamp, the 39 cent stamp. Hopefully, he'll be one of the first ones starting in January for that. I hope so too. Well, I didn't hear the show from December 22nd, 1948. <laughs> this is same time, same station, the home of the morons here at 89.3 FM, KPCC Pasadena, you, National Public Radio you, for all you, of Southern California. Just shut up while I'm reading the idea. Sorry about you. <laughs> a broadcast service of Pasadena City College. Oh, yeah, but we're up my Christmas presents yet. Get a Gosh. present. Get a Christmas present for a moron today. Those two brothers sure go it pretty well, don't they? <laughs> In studio tonight, Ken Greenwald. Yep. Larry Gassman. Hi. Derek Underhill. Ruth Underhill and Gary Dunn. Good evening. Who, who isn't done yet? That's true. <laughs> we're going to play yeah, right John now. I'm looking at your badge. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Right now we're going to play a Jack Benny program, and this is a rather unusual program. We've played Jack Benny before. Uh, if I had my way, we'd play very little else, sure. because Jack Benny is my favorite uh, radio comedian and probably radio performer, and so therefore we we played quite a bit of, of Benny. But this is an unusual show. Why? Uh, Gary and Larry and I have been compiling a Jack Benny log full of show descriptions and dates and various information over the past year and a half or so, and it's going to be available in early 1990. And one of the things that uh, we discovered while doing research is that when Jack Benny moved from NBC to CBS, he did a special preview show, which probably was really a dress rehearsal. That's what, that's kind of what it sounds like is the fact that they went into CBS and and basically got familiar with the equipment and was done on a Wednesday and the next uh, Sunday was his first broadcast with CBS. Now George Balzer, the, one of the actually, writers, actually of the was show. ten days away. That's from, true from the yeah. first broadcast. Done on the twenty second. But George Balzer, one of the writers of the show, doesn't remember anything about this. So we've sent him a copy and maybe he can tell us more specifically about why it was done. But what they did was a, really a compilation of a nineteen forty four Christmas script and updated it with some inside jokes about the move, the impending move to CBS, which you'll hear. 
So they did the NBC show on the 19th of December. They went over to CBS to do, let's call it a dress rehearsal on the 22nd, back to NBC for the final show on the 26th, and then on January 2nd to 49, they began their long run of uh, six and a half years on CBS. Uh, if you'd like to give us a call tonight and talk to us, uh, we'd be happy to hear from you at 818-793-3667. This is our Christmas present to those of you who enjoy the radio programs and those of you who have tuned in for the very first time. We hope you'll join us every Sunday between 5 and 7 when we do this as a regular Same Time, Same Station program. And if you enjoy the show, then let the station know. Uh, right to 1570 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91106. Attention Program Director Larry Mantle. Now, let's get into that very special preview, CBS Preview Jack Benny program. This from Wednesday, December 22nd, 1948. Merry Christmas from Boss Radio. Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Tis the night before Christmas, and at Jack Benny's house, there are presents for all, even cheese for the mouse. Jack is up on a chair, then he's down on his knee. But you have to do that when you're trimming a tree. Well, we're all through, Mary. Gee, it was nice of you to come over and help me trim the tree. Well, if I didn't, you'd never get it done. Say, Jack, shall I put the snow around the bottom now? Not yet. I want to see if the lights are working. Look, I'll hold up the bulbs, and when I say ready, you plug it in. Okay. Ready? Ready. Pull it out! Pull it out! Pull it out! <laughs> my, my goodness. Oh, Jack, why'd you make me shut it off? Those lights were so pretty. Especially those two blue ones that kept flashing on and off. Those were my eyes. And I must have been holding on to a bare wire. Well, it's your own fault. Every time you fool around with electricity, something goes wrong. It does not. I know plenty about electricity. Oh, sure. Remember what happened last month when you fixed your doorbell? What happened? I pushed the button and set fire to Mount Baldy. <laughs> Oh, stop exaggerating. Anyway, hand me that roll of tape. I'll fix this bare wire right now. Here you are. Thanks. Comes to electricity, I know what I'm doing. See, when you see a bare wire, you just tape it up like, hmm, like this. And then that way, it's insulated against outside elements. There. That'll be enough tape. All right, Mary, plug it in. Okay. Pull it out! Pull it out! Heaven's sake. What happened, Jack? I taped my finger to the wire. 
what happened. Oh, gee. And that time was even prettier than before. What do you mean? Your nose lit up, too. It did not. Let's get this tree finished before the gang gets here. Uh, but, Jack, what about the light? We'll have to let that go until later. Now, hand me one of those... Oh, Mr. Bay! What is it, Rochester? I baked that cake like you told me to. Good. Did you have enough whipped cream to spell out Merry Christmas on top? Yeah. Say, boys, how many R's in Merry? Two. Oh. <laughs> oh, well, then you, you better add one. Add one? I better cross one out. I got three. <laughs> well, leave it. It's better than ruining the cake. Okay. Oh, Rochester, will you please take these Christmas tree lights and fix them? Fix them? Yes. I ain't fooling around with electricity. Well, what are you afraid of? I don't want to get hit by nothing I can't hit back. <laughs> Oh, Rochester, imagine being afraid of electricity. Suppose Robert Fulton was afraid. He never would have invented the electric light, would he? Uh, Jack, you're thinking of Thomas Edison. Edison? Well, then, what did Robert Fulton do? He invented a slow boat to China. <laughs> oh, yes. Now, Rochester, please fix these lights, will you? Okay, okay. Let me see now. In electricity, there's the electrons and the electrodes... Then there's the positive and the negative. But I ain't positive which one is negative. Hmm. Then there's the atoms. Now, the atoms are supposed to go from the positive to the negative. Or maybe they go from the electrons to the electrodes. Then again, maybe they go from NBC to CBS. <laughs> Rochester. Now, as long as these atoms keep passing each other, everything is all right. But when they meet halfway and start fighting, they're going to turn on anybody who tries to butt in. Rochester, I'm not interested in the scientific details. I just want you to fix those lights. And I promise you, while you're holding the wires, no one in this room will turn on the switch. I know, boss. While I'm holding the wire, you ain't going to turn on the switch. And Miss Livingston ain't going to turn on the switch. Well, of course not. But way up there in Boulder Dam, there's a little man sitting in a room with thousands of wires all around him. So what? I don't know. He ain't going to turn around. I... You can read that one again. This is a preview. Go ahead. How do I don't know. He ain't going to do something just to break the monotony. All right. I'll fix it myself. Come on, Mary. Help
Well, Mary, we've got all the packages under the tree. Looks nice, doesn't it? Oh, it sure does. Jack, if you're not going to use the Christmas tree lights, let's put on the candy canes. Okay, here's the box, and you can... Hey, wait a minute. I had 12 candy canes, now there are only 11. Where's the other one? Well, don't look at me. I'm not looking at you, I'm asking you. All right, I ate it. Here's 10 cents. <laughs> Marty, I bet you'd be surprised if I took it. I wouldn't be surprised if you sued me. Mary, let's get this finished, will uh, you? Jack, you better pick those lights up off the floor before somebody steps on them. Oh, yeah. Now, where can I put them? I'll put these lights on the chair right here. And, Mary, here's Phil Harris's present. I forgot that. Slipping under the tree. Boy, will he be surprised. But, Jack, how will he be surprised? You've got toilet water written all over the box. Well, you got to do that with Phil. When he opens a package and finds a bottle, he never stops to read the label. <laughs> Last year, I gave him a miniature ship and a bottle, and the mask stuck out of his mouth for three days. <laughs> Every time I asked him something, he had to answer me through the crow's neck. <laughs> Believe me, I, I know what I'm doing. Well, Jack, I guess that does it. The tree is all finished. Yeah. Gee, it looks swell. I'm kind of tired. I think I'll sit down for a minute and smoke a cigarette. <laughs> Mary, have you got a match? No. Oh, well. Oh, say, boss! What is it, Rochester? Are your socks dry yet? I think so. Well, people will be here soon. You better take them off the tree. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you take them off, will you, Rochester? I'm tired. I want to sit here a while. Yes, sir. Say, this tree looks awful nice. But it's kind of dark. Oh, no wonder the lights aren't plugged in. I'll fix that. Pull it out. Pull it out. Pull it out. For heaven's sake. Uh, what's the matter, Jack? I was sitting on the wire. As long as you're as long as you're here, Rochester, give me a match. You don't need it now. Your cigarette is lit. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Rochester. Don't thank me. Thank that little man up at Boulder Dam. Rochester. It's the first time I ever saw LSNFT lit up by AC and DC. Yeah. That's very funny. I wonder how that guy at Boulder Dam knew I was. Oh, well. Come in. Oh, hello, Phil. Hiya, Jackson. Merry Christmas, everybody. Same to you, Phil. Hey, Jackson, that Christmas tree looks terrific. Yeah, it is a nice tree, isn't it? Yeah, not only that, it's grown about two feet since last year. <laughs> this, uh, this isn't the same one. You know, Phil, I believe in the old-fashioned way of getting a tree. You know, when you get up early in the morning and you bundle yourself up warm and throw an axe over your shoulder and go out in the woods, you know, out in the wilderness and... Chop down your own Christmas tree. Hey, you're right, Jackson. Where'd you find this one? In the lobby of the Beverly Wilshire Hotel. <laughs> you said a timber! Yes, sir. Hey, Jackson, you ought to see the tree I got in my house. I got it all decorated right on the top. I got a reindeer. Oh, a picture of a reindeer? No, a live one. I spend my money. Heaven. So how could you get a live reindeer up on top of a tree? Well, it was easy, Jackson. I just gave him a little eggnog and he got high. <laughs> oh, you humorous old filthy. You're the Mark Train of your generation. Mark Train? Phil, that's Twain. Twain. 
Willie. Well, after a gag like that, your lucky Santa doesn't scratch you with his claws. <laughs> I say, that was, you know, that was pretty good, too. Don't bother sending us Cracker Jack, Mother. We're now getting corn by the ton. <laughs> oh, I don't know, Mary. I thought it was pretty cute. Hey, Phil, what do you got in that package there? Oh, I almost forgot, Jackson. It's a uh, Christmas present for you. For me? Yeah. Me and the boys in the band all chipped in and got it for you. Well, thanks. Thanks, Phil. I'll put it under the tree. No, 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 you don't. Open it up right now. Okay. Gee, it was certainly nice of you and the boys to think of me. I really didn't... Oh, Phil, thanks. Gee, a, a beautiful turtleneck sweater. What we're going to do, we're going to re rewind this thing. I'm sorry about the sound level. Okay, uh, wasn't quite sure.